0: Santa Claus. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get serious here. Disclaimer. <laughs> no, honest disclaimer though. Because if we don't... Getting real. Yeah, well, okay, we're going to be serious here. <laughs> it's not that serious. But if you're under the age of, let's say, 12 years old, please do not listen to this podcast. If you are a parent and you have a child who's under the age of 12 years old, maybe listen to this one alone because we are talking about Santa Claus today. That's a great point. So, we're going into the origins of Santa Claus, where the idea of Santa Claus came from. Where where did you think Santa Claus before like reading into it at all? Where like, like did you have any idea of where the legend of Santa Claus came from?
1: So, I thought Saint Nick, which turned out to be the case and I think we'll spend a decent portion on this saint nick character and i will say before researching santa claus i was a little concerned that this would be a don't meet your heroes situation mm-hmm. like i was concerned we were going to read about santa claus and find out he was like some warlord with slaves who were elves who would just like terrorize kids and that's where <laughs> it came from it would just ruin your childhood so i'm glad it, that was not the case he's a dare i say a pretty jolly fellow But I was kind of very interested to find out that Santa Claus is just a combination of so many ideas and cultures and different people bringing their own thing that it's like this completely separate entity that has evolved through the combination of so many people's ideas, thoughts, and different beliefs and
0: cultures. Yeah, that's definitely something that I came to realize was that Santa Claus is, like you're saying, he's like this global consolidation of all these different ideologies and he's this legend that has stemmed from all these different backgrounds, and they've all come together in their own ways to kind of describe the Santa Claus as we know him today. And when I thought of Saint, I was like, "Oh, it was Saint Nicholas." I didn't even think about sainthood or anything religious or anything like that. I just, I guess, from my childhood, I always just thought of him as like this jolly figure that I guess was related to christianity in some way
1: yeah and so i agree I, I don't think i ever thought of santa as being a saint i just knew like they called him saint Nick, so i figured it probably derived from that but santa as a figure is just this jolly pure good giving character which is
0: what he is <laughs> absolutely what he is he, he, <laughs> which is what he is it turns out in the in the pace in the case of paz not wanting to meet his heroes he met this hero and it turns out santa claus is a saint <laughs> literally He's,
1: yeah even better than i was hoping
0: <laughs> so on that note i would say that we could take things back all the way back to the fourth century ad that is where the namesake of santa claus aka father christmas aka saint nicholas aka saint nick for short aka chris crinkle which I kind of thought was like a weird, and we'll we'll go into that later, where Chris Kringle came from, but Chris Kringle, I, I never thought that made sense. Yeah, Chris, Nick, like what's going on here?
1: Also, another name, Papa Noel. The names for Santa Claus are endless.
0: There's so many. So if we go back to the 4th the century AD, that is where this whole kind of legend starts. We're in Myra, which is modern day Turkey. In the 4th century, we're in Greece. Catholic Greece. Nicholas is at this time he's a bishop
1: Mm -hmm.
0: born an orphan born an orphan Mm -hmm. was he but i i thought i read (laughs) you're laughing but i thought i read he was like the single child of a wealthy family or something okay yeah yeah
1: i want to correct correct that no one's born an orphan he was born (laughs) his parents died he became an orphan and then his uncle was a bishop and he lived with uncle but yes he was very very wealthy Wealthy, yeah. Through his parents and family.
0: So familial wealth, but his parents did die. Yeah, A generous man. By all accounts. A protector. A disciplinarian is kind of how they described it. He was like a protector. He was a disciplinarian. He was really generous to the poor. He loved giving gifts to people. Yeah,
1: and a lot of like handmade gifts to children. So they say.
0: Which is a uh, very thoughtful. One example of when he was extremely generous to the poor was there was this family it was a single father the father had three daughters he was very poor couldn't afford dowries for them to get married at the time he had a daughter and she wanted to get married off into a different family you need to provide a dowry he was unable to do so so nicholas yeah, and it was a big deal that he
1: couldn't because they might have to go into sex slavery. I heard one of the oldest daughter was going to go into sex slavery, prostitution, to give money to the younger ones. Like it's a bad situation that he doesn't have a dowry. It kind of sucks for the times.
0: Yeah, uh, sex slavery, prostitution, like things things are not going to go well if at the time if you couldn't if you couldn't have your daughters married married with a dowry. So. Nicholas finds out about it. I think he like overheard the father talking about it and what Nicholas does because he's wealthy and he's a bishop and he's just a great all around great guy in the middle of the night, he goes up to the house. He's got a bag of gold, sticks his hand through the window, drops in the bag of gold. Boom. First dowry, oldest daughter. She then has a dowry and she, she can get married another night. Nicholas comes in again, another bag of gold, Hands through the window, drops it down. Second daughter, dowry, able to get married. Third night, this time the father waits, waits up. He's trying to figure out who is this? Who is dropping this gold through the window? And he finds Nicholas. Nicholas didn't want any recognition for what he was doing. He was really just trying to be helpful. It's kind of indicative of like who he was and why he was so celebrated literally until today because he really just wanted to help people who were impoverished. And he wanted to be generous, and he wanted to spread his wealth. And I mean, probably he thought about the whole dowry, sex slavery thing, and was like, "That's bad." A <laughs> Man ahead of its ahead of his times. <laughs> the fact that <laughs> it takes a saint. <laughs> all right, can we pause? <laughs> yes, all right. We pause. Talk about and the and elephant talk, in the room. <laughs> can we talk about the elephant in the room. That it takes a literal saint to be like maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you can't just like give money to somebody to be willing to marry your daughter is like a bad thing. Like how does yeah, it take yeah. a saint to be like, man, that's not, and it's not like he even went up to the other side and was like, maybe you shouldn't expect a dowry from this poor family. Yeah, and He yeah. was like, no, no, he's like, I'm going to give you the gold. Because like, if there's one thing we know it's that the dowry is needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wild times. <laughs> yeah. Sign of the times there, but oh yeah that's a it's a big example of the fact that that nicholas at the time was very celebrated as Mm -hmm. a bishop for his generosity to the poor and for the fact that he was always helping people in need he like was known for doing because i guess to be a saint you have to like perform miracles Mm -hmm. which i didn't know
1: yeah okay so on that yeah to be like canonized in the catholic church as a saint you have to perform miracles and they like try to check and make sure they actually happened. I mean, I'm probably a a little cynical, but regardless St. Nicholas, a great guy. Did you get what happened to to the third daughter? He had placed the golden for the first two
0: daughters. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The father found Yeah. The father waited up and found out that it was Nicholas and that's how the story spread.
1: Also, that's a classic kid move too—is to like wait up to see Santa Claus. <laughs> did, did you ever try?
0: Did I ever try to wait wait up to yeah. see Santa Claus? It, this could be like a good like little side segment here about maybe when you found out that Santa Claus again. If you are twelve years old, please turn off this podcast right now. <laughs> pause. 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 When I found out that Santa Claus wasn't real. Because it was kind of the same thing. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It was basically like, I mean, anybody out there who celebrates Christmas, you think about Christmas Eve, and then maybe you open presents on Christmas morning, or stockings, or depending on your family, maybe you um, just have like breakfast or, or, or whatever, you have your Christmas day celebration. And so in my family, we would we would go go to bed on Christmas Eve and then we'd just wake up on Christmas morning. But we like any presents that we had were typically like underneath the Christmas tree by that time. But my dad, he said that when him and his family, when they would go to bed, like there would be nothing out for Christmas. Like they would have typical family decorations, but when he would go to bed on Christmas Eve, there would be no Christmas tree. And then Santa would bring the Christmas tree.
1: When your dad was a kid? Yeah. His parents like put up a tree and presents <laughs>
0: and everything all in one night. So there would be no presents under the tree. There would be no anything. It would be like the living room just sitting there. They'd go to bed on Christmas Eve. They'd wake up Christmas morning. Tree fully decorated presents under the tree.
1: How the fuck did his parents do that like if parents, i was him i would believe in santa until i was like 14 like this is, is no like, way parents
0: i do make this. him tell the story like over and over again because i just can't believe that he would go to bed uh, he would go to bed and then his parents would bring in a christmas tree decorate it and put all the presents on it like I don't, they, they might have had like presents wrapped and like hidden somewhere in the house but that was like the magic of christmas for them wow. was that santa would bring the tree that's impressive because
1: just setting up the tree, if you haven't done it, it's like a pain in the ass. You're going to swear multiple times, like things don't fit the fact that you're doing this all at night and then you're putting the presents under it and you're decorating it and you're not making a noise. So your kids don't, you're wake not up. sleeping.
0: You're not sleeping. If that's what's happening, like it's a, it's a long process. Wow. So, but that was yeah. what, but as far as me personally, mm-hmm. so when I, when I found out that Santa wasn't real, it was basically, it was one of those situations where you're waiting up for Santa Claus and we'll go into more about, because like as a kid, you're, you're putting out the cookies and you're, you put out the milk and things like that. And that like goes on and on and on. And then one year, I, I, I this is my memory. I almost feel like maybe I just didn't actually believe in Santa at this point because I like just like walked downstairs one night on Christmas Eve and I just like walked into the living room and it was like my parents wrapping gifts and I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't sound very, Yeah, I think it, it may confirmed. be like, I think maybe like the legend of Santa had kind of diminished at that point where it was like Santa did yeah. the stocking and then my mom was like putting the stocking together and I saw it and that kind of ruined it for me. But I think, the number one thing for me was that my mom has very distinct handwriting and the presents from my parents, like she would sign them mom and dad and I could read her handwriting. And then the presents from Santa had the same handwriting. Yeah. So it was uh, like, I think eventually I just kind of figured it out. Yeah. Astute from a young age. How about you? Yeah.
1: So for me, there were a lot of clues. I think the biggest was, I was like snooping in my parents closet and I found a present that was like from Santa. It already was addressed from Santa. It was way before Christmas. And at the time I was already very skeptical and like, I think I'd already given up on the tooth fairy, you know, like maybe I I found my mom putting money under the pillow or something and I do remember my grandpa was home for Christmas and he was doing everything he could to convince me. And he put up like a good fight.
0: <laughs> so he was but, like, he was just being like, like trying to come up with reasons for everything.
1: Yes. like, And you know, you can, if you like want to point to magic and miracles, you can come up with a reason for anything.
0: Yeah. And so uh, that's good by your grandfather this is kind of this is like a further side note about just like the magic of christmas yeah so i was talking to people about santa claus and whether or not it's beneficial to be telling your children great question that have you have you read about this at all about whether or not it's beneficial to tell your children that santa claus is real
1: I'll give my opinions on it. It seems like you really did a deep dive into the literature, <laughs> on the psychoanalysis.
0: But I I'll like it- I, skim, I skimmed. I skimmed one study, so that's what okay, I'll say. Yeah. But go ahead.
1: Uh, yeah, personal opinions first. As soon as you find out Santa's not real, you question everything. Oh, the Easter Bunny, the then you're like, God, is this a lie too by the grown ups? Like, I feel like you just lose kind of trust. And then the second thing, I actually, I have an uncle who was upset about it enough as a kid. And he, my cousin, she grew up without Santa Claus. They never told her the lie. They were like, yeah, other people tell their kids this. So when she's in like kindergarten, first grade, she's being told to not spoil it for other kids. And she never was had the Santa Claus experience. Did she ever spoil it for other kids? No, I, I think she was like, like surprisingly, I feel like a lot of kids don't spoil it as much as you'd think. but But I do think personally, I think it's a nice, like fun thing to do. And I don't really think it harms too many kids, but maybe I'm wrong. What what did you see?
0: So I've heard people say that from a psychological perspective, that if you tell kids that Santa's real and then they eventually find out that you're lying, that that's not good because then they start questioning everything you say. But then I was reading online and everybody can look this up and make their own judgments, but there was a study that showed that they interviewed kids, and they said, do you resent your parents in any way for not telling you that Santa Claus was like a legend and and wasn't real? And it was like 100% of them said that they were happy that their parents lied.
1: Yeah. I remember the Christmas after I was sure Santa wasn't real. Christmas just wasn't as special.
0: It's not as awesome. No. I think – as a child, it's one of those things that like even as you get older and you start to realize that it's probably not real, like you just hold out hope.
1: Yes. That absolutely. It is.
0: And I think for every Christmas where the child, me for example, where I walk downstairs and see my parents like wrapping the only gifts that I think Santa is is putting out. Yeah. I think at that point, like I probably already yeah. had a pretty good idea that Santa wasn't real, but this was just like that last moment where there was no more yeah. there was no more hope for it. That
1: was the final straws. Something died inside <laughs> so, of Slavo that day. So, so
0: something died inside of me. I was just my dreams of becoming the next Santa Claus. <laughs> yes, that was such a thing. Like, you know, died. I mean Santa Claus, because you you think about Santa Claus and he's just like such a good jolly yeah. figure. Like why wouldn't you want to be that like especially me? Yeah. I I don't. Maybe some of our listeners can relate to this. I don't know about you, but like, the idea of just like going around eating cookies, drinking milk, that's not good to me. I was like, I love chocolate chip cookies. I didn't even want to leave any out for Santa Claus. It's like, yeah. It's like, can we make a second batch? Like, yeah. leave some for Santa. Then we can eat some. I, I mean, know. I assumed you did. You made well, some did. yourself, oh, yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, we did.
1: Non-negotiable. Yeah. The other thing I do remember when I believed in Santa the night before was so magical and i would like look up into the sky looking to see his reindeer Mm. did you do that like nasa had the nordic Mm -hmm. tracker
0: yeah and there's like websites now even now that you can go to um another santa related myth type thing did you ever do elf on a shelf
1: i didn't I, i feel like that's been more recent did you no okay
0: so what Elf on a Shelf is, for those who do not, not know, I don't know if this is like an American thing. I don't know if this is a modern thing. I had never heard of it.
1: Yeah, I've seen it on like YouTube and like memes about it. But yeah,
0: people People say that it's like one company that does it. So I don't know if it's like, it's like Valentine's Day. It's like one of those things that just kind of started yeah. out of nowhere. It's the, but, the,
1: the big elf business. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: was started by Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all in then. (laughs) But Elf on a Shelf is basically like it's these dolls, and you supposedly because the idea is that Santa's watching you to put you on the naughty or nice list. That's his disciplinarian coming out from Saint Nicholas, Mm -hmm. which we'll go back to. But yeah, Santa's watching you to find out if you're naughty or nice, and so the Elf on the Shelf is one of his elves who's spying on you to make Mm -hmm. sure that you're being nice. So if you're being naughty, the elf will, and this is what the parents tell the kids is that if you're being naughty, the elf is going to spot you and he's going to report back to Santa.
1: Okay. That's I, I'm out on this. That's maniacal and creepy. I don't want to be sitting there Charlie ass doll fucking <laughs> looking at it's, me. Have
0: you seen the elf on the shelf? It's so creepy looking. And not only that, so the way that it works is during the Christmas season, you hide the elf on the shelf somewhere in the house. And then the kid wakes up in the morning and like goes and finds it. And it's like every day the child goes and finds it. And then the next day it's somewhere else in the house. So you're like haunting. You're literally haunting. Oh, your children this is, yeah. This With is, its elf.
1: I don't want this for my kids. And this is kind of, how the Santa Claus legend works is people can like add their stuff and this elf on the shelf thing, people could love it. And then 30 years from now, everyone could be doing it. I think it's kind of emblematic of the Santa Claus legend and how people just kind of add stuff. Some of it sticks, some of it doesn't, and it comes from all these different ideas. But this one, I'm going to be against, <laughs> personally.
0: We're not going to propagate it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but it wouldn't shock me if this was a marketing scheme by the NSA to encourage the use to be desensitized to being monitored all the time. I don't know. This is. I'm just shooting out this theory right now,
0: but <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking creepy. I, I think we need to find out who the key investors are in this off-the-shelf company. <laughs> Follow the money. <laughs> Follow the money. Let's figure out who these, I mean, the elves are like unnecessarily creepy. <laughs> they are, they're really creepy. And, uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. I've thought about it. I was like, eh, I guess a shelf the could be cool. And the same thing where I'm like, Oh, like the legend of Santa is another yeah. thing that I think would be cool for my kids. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm not really sure yet, but this is one of those things you make a great point where what we find with the legend of Santa Claus is is that there are so many cultures it's this melting pot of ideas that came together and then some of them just stick and we'll go into it there's like certain there's certain points where somebody just introduces this idea about Christmas and then it just sticks and then that, that just becomes what it is going forward so this elf on a shelf thing in 100 years it could just be like completely ingrained in culture and then people and then we're going to be in our rocking chairs and we're going to be like <laughs> oh, back in my day yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. on the shelf wasn't real
1: <laughs> yeah back in the good old days i guess the one scenario i do like elf on the shelf if the kids are older and they know it's not really real if you have like a one-year-old who's like
0: terrified of this
1: doll that's <laughs> like, like a that's plastic where it's knife. fun <laughs>
0: that's where it's fun i think if the kid's not scared of the elf then they won't be nice right because the whole point is that they're nice
1: yeah like maybe find better ways to like raise your kids and terrorize them
0: <laughs> the joy the fun is the fear <laughs> <laughs> oh boy
1: do you want to get back to st nick
0: Sure. <laughs> so so we're back to St. Nick.
1: So this idea kind of expanded where he put the gold, you know, through the window, whatever it expanded to it. He threw it through the window and it landed in the stocking. And so then in this town and around this town, and again, this is, you know, people don't have like the historical records obviously aren't that succinct. And a lot of these ideas may be embellished, but basically people started leaving their stockings up and this, nicholas fellow would put little like gold in their stockings but then it became neighbors were just helping neighbors where everyone was just would leave stockings and people were just giving stuff and it was like a very like giving atmosphere
0: yeah and that's something that like what which is pretty impressive is that what he spawned was this idea of around christmas time that people were just kind of like giving to each other They're giving to children there. It's this time of year where it's that, that, it's that magic of Christmas where people are giving to those who are less fortunate to them, like specifically children. And that is what, and it's a lot of it is in the name of St. Nicholas where he was the patron saint of children and he was the patron saint. He was also, he was the patron saint of a lot of things. Sailing. Archery. (laughs) (laughs) The patron saint of travel. Which, which I guess if you, if you think Santa Claus flying around the world, then travel, yeah, I guess, makes yeah. sense. We can fast forward a little bit. St. Nicholas, mm-hmm. he is buried in Myra. They set up like a basilica around him in Myra. And then fast forward to the 11th century. And interestingly enough, in Italy, they were trying to boost the tourism business. And they were like, how do we boost the tourism business? And back in the 11th century, I, a big way was if you had like a church that people wanted to go to, you would go and visit whatever city it was. So they were like, well, we need to have a church that people want to go to. And everybody loves the Saint Nicholas guy. So what if we have a church of Saint Nicholas here in Bari, Italy? And then people, and then this was, this is also the time of the crusades. So people would be like crusading, but they would stop on their way in Bari. (laughs) If they like could make this church that was like this tourist attraction, this is real. So what they did was, and they had the same idea in Venice too, supposedly like around the same time. They went and vandalized the tomb of St. Nicholas in Myra. Stole some of the bones, brought it back to Bari. They beat the people from, I guess the people from Venice didn't end up getting any of the bones. Took his bones back to Bari and then created a a church for St. Nicholas in Bari. And then it actually happened. Like people would go, they'd be on their way to the Crusades and they would stop in Bari and like, it was like big for the city.
1: Wow, What a time. So we have people who are passing through Bowery and they're crusading. So they're fighting for their religion. And Mm -hmm. some entrepreneur was like, you know what would really sell? (laughs) You know what people really want? Mm -hmm. What need we can fulfill is having the bones of St. Nick.
0: Yeah. The bones of St. Nick. And they did it. Like they went out there and they broke into the tomb and they took the bones of St. Nick. And then they've done testing years, centuries later, they tested the bones in each of the basilicas Mm -hmm. in Bowery and in Myra. And they're of the same person. Wow. like, it's, so like it's, it's confirmed.
1: Yeah, they're not even being dishonest. These are the same bones. Wow! So, so, so if you want to see Santa's bones, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can. Uh, <laughs> you can go to uh, you can go to Italy, or you can go to Turkey, and you can and you can go pay pilgrimage to uh, Saint Nicholas's uh, grave. Interesting, but yeah. So. as time is going on, St. Nicholas is being worshipped in all sorts of cultures as the kind of patron saint, as this uh, emblematic figure of gift giving.
1: Mm -hmm. A lot of times on like December 5th, December 6th, it wasn't quite yet on December 25th, at least early on um,
0: in a lot of these, I believe. Yeah. So December 6th, was saint nicholas day and over time people celebrate i think in some countries people still do give gifts to kids on december 6th like i think belgium might be one where on december 6th they still give gifts to kids i think there's Mm -hmm. some countries that they do it on december 6th and december 25th nice i think like as a from an american perspective it by the time it got to America, it, December sixth, it kind of blended into December twenty fifth, mm-hmm. and that's where, as time goes on, all these cultures are kind of are kind of blending in, like we've talked about before, where Saint Nicholas, this legend of Saint Nicholas, is is coming together with um, all sorts of different other legends. Mm-hmm. So, in uh, Netherlands. In the Netherlands, mm-hmm. Sinterklaas. Yep, which is which uh, you have to assume is the origin of Santa Claus. Uh, how can it not be? And, and I have a picture up of Sinterklaas, and very impressive, very bishop-looking. I will say.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, early on the images of Santa Claus, he, he looked more religious and more like a bishop. He wasn't necessarily overweight. <laughs>
0: I mean they, they weren't giving him cookies yet so yeah he was I mean, much he more was... of a much more of a religious figure in England it's father Christmas and in England is kind of where the idea of the idea of the Christmas spirit related to mm. um, Saint Claus like the blending of the Christmas spirit and the the Saint Nicholas and Ce Claus because I think so Chris Kringle the name mm-hmm. comes from Chris Kringle something along those lines, which is Austrian and German translation of Christ child, which was yep. the, which was the gift bearer. So I think that's where the name Chris Kringle comes come from is it's like this kind of translation of a Austrian German name for the gift giver.
1: It kind of shows how the ideas get blended and Chris Kringle by this translation was derived from like baby Jesus Christ but no one when they think of Chris Kringle thinks of, or I don't certainly think of a, a baby Jesus. It's just the name stuck. People liked it, Chris Kringle. And now we're rolling with it.
0: The, yeah, it's definitely like the origin of the name. It definitely loses itself. I don't know what the exact period of time is, but I think over yeah. some amount of time, the name, the name definitely, or the origin definitely loses itself. And then all people can think about is, is what they, is what they see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, pushing things a little more modern like thinking about the modern santa claus that we're thinking about now yep we can kind of go back into the i'd say like the 1800s were like a really big time
1: yeah 1800s and early 1900s that's where like kind of the modern certainly western american santa that you and i are familiar with was
0: really evolved yeah because people like kind of thought of santa as this is he wasn't in red necessarily no and he he wore like a green fur coat and he wasn't necessarily like big and and jolly he was just kind of like an older guy but he yeah. like typically had a beard but it wasn't always a white beard yep and sometimes he was viewed as like a dutch sailor mm-hmm. which which was interesting and it's like these are all things that like sound nothing like santa claus oh <laughs> no no but that but that's where as there was this growth in the um into the 18th into and 1900s, like this is, where, this is where we were, and then things kind of grew from there. Oh, yeah. So now we think of Santa as, as a chubby and plump elf-type, or we don't think of him now as an elf-type figure, but actually at the time we did think of him as an elf-type figure, and that was because A Visit from St. Nicholas was a poem that was released in 1823, which we may know now as, a night, as The Night Before Christmas. And this became this poem was like one of the most popular pieces of literature, like in the world at the time, like English literature.
1: Yeah. And I believe he just wrote it for his kids with this celebration that was they were starting to celebrate. But this really solidified how a lot of people viewed Santa. And I mean, can you think of a more famous poem? Like what poem do kids know? What poem can is so familiar to so many people?
0: I think, I think kids like really know the first two lines. I didn't realize how long the poem was. Like it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> long. It's, it's like a full paragraph. Like yeah. Two so, paragraphs of writing.
1: The Night Before Christmas, mom always read us the children's book like A Night Before Christmas. What, what's it called again? What do we know it as? A Visit from St. Nicholas. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's like the old school name, but now it's called, I think, The Night Before Christmas, right? Yeah, The Night Before Christmas. Yeah, it, and this really solidified... A lot of the things like a red suit chubby jolly giving gifts and it resonated with a lot of people
0: well the so at this time in the poem they he talks about like and i didn't realize this was that this time in the 1800s they kind of thought of santa they talk about like a miniature sleigh so it really there are these ideas that are pushed forward where this person introduced this thing so Mm -hmm. what this poem introduced and the poem is by just a should we cite everything correctly the poem is by clement clark moore Mm -hmm. and what it introduced was the fact that because there were ideas of santa flying around but it wasn't Mm -hmm. necessarily reindeer this poem Mm -hmm. introduced reindeer and a sleigh
1: yeah yeah which are huge now for how a lot of people view santa claus and before this way back when it was Saint Nick like the actual saint a lot of people had him with like a white steed a horse and then Washington Irving who had the pen name sweet pen name I may be mispronouncing the first one but like Diedrich Knickerbocker (laughs) and he wrote the history of New York and he mentioned you know a sleigh going over the rooftops for Santa but he you know it was a short story he didn't mention what was like carrying it or how it got over and so the night uh, before Christmas solidified the the reindeer and even all their names: Dancer, Prancer, Dasher, and Vixen.
0: Yeah, and so interesting thing you say about him, like in the in the white horse. Do you know what other figure in history is known for flying through the sky in a white horse? Deathly Hollows. Odin. Oh yeah. So there's some tr- translation there, where um, of different cultures, where it's this idea of this mythical figure crossing through the night sky um on a steed where but and then it became in the case of um, santa claus it became reindeer and on a sleigh and at this time they kind of viewed him as an elf because elves were viewed as like these mythical people who like were capable of doing these things so he wasn't necessarily like a man at this point Mm -hmm. He was kind of described as like an elf because he was Mm -hmm. like a miniature sleigh and it was like mini reindeer. And like the idea was like that he was small enough to like get down the chimney. So he was an elf at this point. Yeah. The idea of like the red suit. That I I think it came from Thomas Nast in the in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but- so he was doing illustrations of Santa Claus, and they became like really popular.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then there was a company that was doing color illustrations for the first time. Yeah. So he got to pick a color for Santa, and he went with red and white.
1: Yeah, and I heard at the time a lot of the suits he was actually drawing this Thomas Nast from Germany were brown suits and i even think there might have been like a little bit of confusion with the illustration and they chose red or something like that where it wasn't like he didn't intentionally it wasn't solidified that santa had a red suit but after all this it became very solidified and people liked it and yeah it's the santa we know now has that red suit
0: yep and then the the black belt so when you think of santa claus and he's and he's got the hat he's got the red suit with the white trim and then he's got the big black belt that was introduced in the 1930s through a coca-cola ad campaign
1: yeah they crushed it i mean you have red white and this you know putting santa on the map
0: and this was because coca-cola was like such a huge brand in the united States. This is kind of where it was, where it's often credited of being of like really solidifying like the exact Santa Claus that we see today, where
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's grown to the point and people just ate it up. They just loved this depiction, and it yeah. was and it wasn't an elf anymore. It was like an, a jolly like older man. It was like the, kind of like what we envision Santa today. That was what was solidified right now or back in the 30s in a Coca-Cola ad campaign of all things.
1: Yeah, I mean it's great. He's a full-blown superstar. Which now I want to go through through a lot of the things we think of with Santa, stockings, reindeer, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll go through the origin stories of like the modern Santa. But coal, the, the kids who misbehave, they get coal in their stockings. Uh, Slavo can tell tell you all about it, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Any coal in my stockings? Absolutely not. Never.
1: Uh, so coal has a few different origins, but there has always been this thing where they give bad kids not good gifts like twigs or rocks or garlic. And this comes from a lot of different celebrations that happened a lot around Christmas. And it's kind of like this elf on the shelf thing where we're trying to control
0: Mm-mm. these kids. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the worst of those is garlic. <laughs> you <laughs> get Garlic. Yeah, You're basically yeah. telling them they're a vampire.
1: <laughs> Garlic's a weird one. Coal is certainly bad. And, and Krampus, this demon counterpart of Santa was known to give coal. And so basically it accumulated that all the, the bad thing to give kids became coal because it was common at the time. You know, you had the stockings and right there was the fireplace. And so the specific origins you know, tough to say, but it was very common that pe- that bad kids were given bad gifts and coal was very convenient. And at the time, it was right by the, the fireplace. So the other big one, it is very common for people to leave cookies and milk out for Santa yep. at night. You know, he's traveling around the world, giving gifts, giving a little treat. Some people leave carrots for the reindeer. And first of all, I will say, like the cookie monster they did away with the cookies for the cookie monster um like are they going to do this with santa are we going to start leaving him like what are you talking
0: about they did away with the cookies for the cookie monster
1: yeah man so you've been out of the you've been out of the sesame game for a while
0: <laughs> so I'm, it, I'm not up to date i'm not up to date what happened
1: he i believe he's now the veggie monster because no they way
0: okay. <laughs> i just i just censored myself He's the veggie monster now. I believe he's definitely not the cookie monster.
1: It was promoting bad like habits. Everybody
0: could only see the look that I'm giving Johnny. I'm making uh, piercing eye contact. I, are you yeah. saying that he's the veggie monster now? I feel like that can't be real.
1: I'm telling you. Yes, he is now the veggie monster. <laughs> okay, listen to this. In a 2007 appearance on Mother Stewart's TV program, Cookie Monster explained his new philosophy that cookies are a sometimes food. <laughs>
0: He's literally, the He's literally the cookie monster. <laughs> He's the that cookie monster. Was.
1: His whole character was the fact he that he went to rehab cookies all the time. And so I want to say if these people try to take cookies and milk away from Santa Claus, like I will not stand for that. I will die on this hill that Santa needs and deserves his cookies and milk.
0: I was so In an interview with NPR. Cookie Monster explained he eats everything, demonstrating by eating his headset and a plate of broccoli. (laughs) However, upon being served sardine ice cream, he says he draws the line at sardine ice cream. (laughs) So that's where we're at on the Cookie Monster. And so, where did
1: the cookies came from? And again, this just it came from it derived from so many ideas and one like you said this north god odin who was like in god in german mythology people would leave hay and treats out for odin and then as far and with saint nick and when they celebrate december 6th they would also they would leave like drinks and food out for saint nick but uh, a lot of people suggest that the cookies and milk it came from the great depression and they were trying to promote children to share with others Somehow they said the way to to promote this is to leave cookies and milk out for Santa Claus and his reindeer. So it was born around that same time, you know, the thirties, the great depression and people were leaving out cookies and milk for Santa. Oh, that's interesting. All right. Last origin one, Christmas trees, which, you know, people take these evergreen trees and put them in and decorate them. You put lights on them. And so where did this start in the festive season in the winter, way back when a lot of people wanted to celebrate these evergreens because they were green all year round. It was kind of this like, Hey, look, they're green, all the other trees are going to come back green. And so people would take, you know, pine spruce and fir trees, ancient people, potentially way before Christianity was ever a thing. And they also believe these evergreens would keep away like spirits and demons <laughs> and ghosts. <laughs> and I think, you know, this is what people call the pagans, basically like non-Christians and Christian nations. And this just kind of got adapted into the Christmas holiday. And I think the Germans were largely credited with kind of the modern Christmas tree. And this is wild. Martin Luther, who was like the Protestant reformer, I think created the Lutheran church. He was credited, was added, adding lighted candles to a Christmas tree. So before electricity, they
0: would like hang candles on a Christmas tree. That's such a horrible idea. I can't think of anything that is more flammable than a Christmas tree.
1: <laughs> yes, Christmas eels. trees. <laughs> Have you ever heard the saying, it lit up like a Christmas tree? Christmas trees catch fire so fast and they would hang candles. Wait, that's where that saying comes from?
0: Lit up like a Christmas tree? I thought it was like lighting a Christmas tree.
1: I think it's how fast they light up, and we always burn our Christmas tree, and those things catch fire.
0: Wait, fast. you burn your Christmas tree?
1: Yeah, at the end of the year, we go out to the fireplace. Like not, not like a ritual. We don't like sacrifice Bambi, but we we go we like use it as firewood. <laughs> I, I didn't say that.
0: <laughs> you said that. That's if you let your Christmas tree on fire. <laughs> Wait, but you you take it out to the fireplace and you light it, and then yeah. It, like you just, uh, I presume you just light some of the needles and then it just... Pfft. Yeah, it absolutely
1: lights up. I mean, we chop it up. We do that with everything, like old furniture, anything. Anything that's wood, we'll chop it up and bring it out for firewood at some point.
0: That's pretty awesome. I, yeah. I've never thought to do that before, I think. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But quickly about where Santa lives. In North America, Santa's supposed to live in the North Pole. But in Scandinavian countries, a lot of Scandinavian countries, they... Um, and I could be wrong here. Somebody from, this is my internet research. So somebody from a Scandinavian country could easily, somebody from Sweden could be like, that's totally wrong. Like we don't, (laughs) that's not how we think, but there's places in the country that Santa supposedly lives, that Santa Claus supposedly lives.
1: Yeah. And I hear the North pole came from, it was always known Santa lived in a far off kind of distant world. And at the time there was a lot of research being done in the North pole. And that was kind of, and so it was in the news, and it kind of became popular that, oh, yeah, like, that's where Santa lives.
0: So. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question for you. Knowing what you know about Santa Claus, <laughs> if somebody gave you the opportunity to, like, go to the North Pole for free and try to find Santa Claus, would you do it? Okay. Um, <clears throat> and if
1: you did it, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first of all, like, I would – Um, if they're paying me, like they're like giving me a million dollars and it's a job.
0: Okay, okay, they're going to do it. Like a TV series? I don't want you to be incentivized to do it beyond like Uh, the curiosity. Like what's motivating you to go is like, I wonder if Santa is in the North Pole.
1: Okay, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I don't even remotely believe in Santa. So I think I would look at it as like, the North Pole has got to be treacherous, tough lands on it. It's going to be a pain to like do that adventure. I would much rather go look for like
0: Bigfoot or the Loch
1: Ness monster or something you can kind of convince me is
0: real? I would want to find Bigfoot <laughs> I would want to like chat with Bigfoot and mm-hmm. then I would want to leave Bigfoot alone Nice, and not like let anybody know that he's real Yeah, because if Bigfoot is real Bigfoot has gone through so much work to like not be found <laughs> I feel like <laughs> And, like, I feel like it's just you don't want to blow the lid off it. There's already enough people that go off looking for big. Big, Have you watched, like, those documentaries about Bigfoot? Where they, like, analyze, like, his, like, walking?
1: Yeah. I've seen so much stuff on Bigfoot. I'm skeptical.
0: I don't think any of it's believable. (laughs) (laughs) They, they, They basically, there's this one, there's, like, a video out there of Bigfoot. And they have this guy, and he's, like, well, if you, if you if you watch how he turns, he looks back at the camera and that's not how a human would do it.
1: Oh right. my goodness. I know that exact video. That thing looks so much like a human. <laughs> yeah, that literally looks like if you told me to, hey, go walk like Bigfoot, that's what I'd do. I'd be flopping my arms around, <laughs> yeah. like taking long strides. It looks like a person.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, yes, I understand that if I were walking, that's not how I'd do it. But if I was in a Bigfoot suit, and i was trying to act like a not human i might do that so like uh, oh man those those are funny but yeah, i think bigfoot would be the yeah. one that i'd want to go find still even still i'd like maybe who knows yeah so we'll just talk about this quick it's trad- tradition in many countries for kids to write letters to santa claus which i thought was crazy some interesting things about it is that in 2007 the french postal service received 1.22 million letters for santa or Père Noël, as it's known in France, from 126 countries. And they actually had to hire somebody to deal with the letters from Russia. So there were so many people from Russia writing letters to Santa Claus in France that they had to hire somebody to like respond. Because Interesting. Governments make and postal services make like a concerted effort to respond to a lot of the kids. Did you ever write to the post office? I think so, but I don't know if my parents ever put it in the mail.
1: Okay, so I did and I got responses. Like it was like a typed out letter, you know. Really? Yeah, it was great. Loved it.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah, like I think a lot of countries make a concerted effort to, they basically tell the parents like exactly how to fill out the mailing and then you you put it in the mail. The best one I thought was Canada. Canada, they have a special postal code. You write it to Santa Claus at the North Pole, Canada, H0H. (laughs) 0-H-0 zero zero. <laughs> is the post post. <laughs> and then they have um, 13,000 volunteers that like read through the letters and like write responses to them. Wow, that's awesome. Which is that's great. Great that's work. Really good Christmas spirit, holiday yeah. spirit. All
1: right, so this segment, we're going to go through all the people Buzz and Biographies have covered, and we're going to put them on the naughty list or the nice list. So we'll start off with Slavo. Ooh, here we go. First person, Jim Jones.
0: (laughs) Jim Jones. I'm going to, Jim Jones might be like team captain of the naughty list, to be honest.
1: (laughs) What about when he's in his 40s and he's doing all this good? He's feeding the homeless.
0: So do I get to pick a time period and be like, hey, like, uh, oh, Jim Jones, when you're fighting racial inequality, you get to be on the nice list. But when you're convincing 900 people to commit suicide on your behalf, maybe you're on the naughty list.
1: <laughs> um, all right, so let's say let's say he's 40 years old. He he is doing all this good, but he's also like doing faith healings, Ooh. having sex with people like not
0: really consensually. G doesn't wants to swing in here.
2: I'd like to think that even during the time periods which people thought he was, you know, doing all these good things, and he was. Santa's always watching, you know. What was he doing when people weren't around? You got to imagine that that guy was up to some no good at that time. Santa
1: knew. Mm. I agree. If we're being fair, I think we can all agree probably on the naughty list, Jim
0: Jones. You did a, a great job playing devil's advocate there. <laughs> I think with Jim Jones, it's tough. The name just he just really rings naughty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so G-Dog. Yep. What's Sacagawea, Sacagawea.
2: I mean, how could you even question it? She's on the nice list. What did she ever do that was naughty? Anything?
1: It's a good point. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So, devil's advocate for Sacagawea, she took her newborn baby on a very dangerous cross-country mission.
3: Okay, but what was her other option? She had no other option.
0: (laughs) Sacagawea, so nice list. <laughs> yeah, her, her other option was immediate death, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this one,
1: I think a little more gray area for K-Dog. Nikola Tesla.
3: So I've actually thought about this one, and I think naughty list. hot Hot take, potentially, but... I just can't get over that letter that he wrote about um, who was Edison? Who Edison? Mm. When he died, that just like scathing letter that he wrote to be published just was so mean and disrespectful that I can't. I can't imagine. Maybe there's like the slimmest chance he was on the nice list, but he's got to be teetering between naughty and nice, and I think perhaps naughty, given also his uh, lavish lifestyle.
0: He was, he was notorious for like running up huge bills at hotels and then not paying them. It's kind of naughty.
3: Right. So that's the, the lavish lifestyle of running up a huge bill and not paying for it. It's a, <laughs> it's a naughty move. He's a bad boy.
0: I mean, if you hate the man, maybe it's a nice move.
1: Heard it here first from K-Dog. Tesla, <laughs> bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. The other thing he did that was kind of bad he fired his secretary for being too fat
3: again i reiterate
1: everyone
0: everyone, everyone
3: just
1: collectively like
0: looked up at the ceiling there was like oh that's not good nobody liked that
1: but i will say i feel like you know granted he's not the best socially he did a lot of good for science for electricity like he had all these great things he just wasn't very like. yeah but we can just say
0: edison did that
1: but he didn't dude ac versus
0: dc (laughs) Slavo. Yes. Vincent Van Gogh. Vincent Van Gogh. Ooh. Ooh. That's so a tough, tough one. That's a tough one. G G Dizzle, do you want to jump in on Vincent Van Gogh?
2: I think I think Santa would have looked at Vincent Van Gogh and anything that he would have done potentially that would get him on the naughty list. I think he deserved some presents. Like I think he was very depressed and troubled and I think Santa would see that and be like, wow, this person really needs presents.
0: I agree with that. I mean, Vincent Van Gogh was a very troubled individual and he wasn't necessarily a great guy. He made a lot of mistakes in his life and he maybe didn't lead, lead the healthiest life. But at the same time, I don't know. He wasn't like doing things that were so necessarily evil. He was providing art for the community and, a lot of it he did get recognized but he didn't he didn't get like super wealthy off of it during his lifetime so i feel like he could have used could he used a, a favor from santa there yeah and I,
1: yeah i like the the troubled I, I agree with the vincent van gogh he was a troubled child you like to think santa would help him on the other hand anyone who dealt with vincent van gogh like hated him <laughs> like personally people did not like Maybe him. if
2: he had some presence in his life he wouldn't have been a bit cheerier.
1: Yeah. Slavo Fidel Castro
0: Fidel Castro is a tough one um, is it <laughs> uh, I'm gonna put him right on the naughty list.
3: Can we get a quick reminder on the bad that Fidel Castro did because I'm just remembering didn't he like stay in power for like a really long time
1: yeah. so yes okay so I would say first the things he did that's good they have great literacy rates great education great health care because they are socialist government controlled the bad he basically took anyone who was a political descendant or if you're gay or like a priest and he would put you in like slave camps yeah
0: yeah he basically he was a tyrant but he he's another one kind of like jim jones where when he was young like he had this kind of like revolutionary vibe to him but as soon as he but he was really like an addicted to power is what it ended up being. (laughs) Mary, fuck, kill. Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus, and Rudolph.
2: (laughs) I mean, you gotta kill Rudolph or you're weird here. Kill Rudolph for the meat. I'm I'm fucking Rudolph.
3: (laughs) (laughs) How would you? I'm killing Mrs. Claus. How would you kill Rudolph?
0: Are you serious?
2: How is is Santa gonna get his reindeer? That's bestiality. Um, And then you can
3: just eat him.
0: You're gonna kill Mrs. Claus? I'm, what
3: value does she have?
0: I think it's like an obvious fuck, Mrs. Claus, marry Santa Claus, Absolutely. kill Rudolph,
1: snuggling Santa.
2: What <laughs> value does Mrs. Claus have? I'm obviously killing Rudolph. Sorry for the meat. Yeah, and then uh, I would probably marry. Maybe Mrs. Claus has a better schedule, and then uh, you gotta fuck Santa. <laughs>
1: This segment, I'm going to give a famous quote from a Christmas song or a movie. I'm going to give the first part, and then you're going to finish it. Slavo, I will start with you. Ooh, here we go. You're a mean one. Child. <laughs> G-Dog, do you know the answer to this?
2: I just need to check in to make sure that Slavo is, in fact, kidding right now.
1: No.
0: <laughs> I'm not good with the quotes, so this is tough.
1: You're a mean one. Mr. Grinch.
0: Correct. <laughs> is that right? That is right. That is right. Wow, nailed it. Good, jo- good job. All right, one
1: point for G-Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll give this one to K Dizzle. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is...
3: Sing loud for all to hear.
1: From... Elf nice good job this one it might require group effort we elves try to stick to the four main food groups what are they
2: maple syrup pasta nope oh. m&ms and
0: sugar sugar is one of them <laughs> is it candy chocolate? candy it's,
1: candy is one of them Syrup is one of them Here are the four Here's a quote We elves try to stick to the four main food groups Candy Candy canes Candy corns And syrup
2: going to be honest I was just thinking about the uh, pasta concoction That elf made in the movie Where he mixed up the maple syrup And candies with the pasta <laughs> Classic
1: scene
3: How cute was it when he made the lunch to go for his mom And it was a pasta in a bag
1: <laughs> What a sweetheart <laughs> This one I don't think anyone will know But I'll just try it Bye buddy I hope you find your dad.
0: Wow, you know that one. <laughs> we say that, like, quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> say that pretty often. Bye, buddy. I hope you find your dad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, and I want to go back to the, this is the song, like, about the Grinch, where they, it just has hilarious lines. From the Grinch song, you're as cuddly as a... Crocodile? Close but Might chime in here.
2: Is it cockroach?
1: No, it's close. You got it's it's a C. You're as cuddly as a Cactus? Bingo. Wow. Good job. Okay, this one I'm gonna give this back to G Dog. G Dizzle. G Dizzle. You have all the tender sweetness of a Oh, I'm gonna
2: I have literally no idea.
1: You have all the of I know one minus.
2: A- I was
1: hoping you would Seasick
3: crocodile.
1: Okay, Slavo, this is from Home Alone. Oh, shit. Keep the change.
0: You filthy animal. <laughs>
1: yeah. Let's go. Okay, this is a fun one. Grandma got run over by a reindeer walking home from our house Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as Santa. Oh,
2: uh. Wait, I'm out. Who
3: else? But as for me and Grandpa, we believe.
1: Bingo. Nice. Okay, this one,
0: Merry Christmas to all. And to all, a good night. Happy holidays.
1: Goodbye, everyone.